Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Spring is in full bloom. Are your finances? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, you can build credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments, all with no annual fees or interest. With Chime's Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross at Managing Editor, FightfulMMA.com. Head over there. Get all of your MMA news. We got lots of stuff over there. I want to welcome uh, the new community of Discus users that we have adopted on the website. Very glad to have them. If you all don't mind, head over to YouTube.com slash FightfulMMABoxing. Subscribe over there. I've got live news updates all the time. Starting to put them up on the site a little bit more. We got lots of news to talk about, and today I'm joined by James Lynch. James, with your Twitter account back. That's right, Sean. I'm free. I'm happy to be back. Happy to be doing this show. It's good to talk some MMA on a Tuesday. Fortunately, being in Twitter jail does not prevent you from holding employment at Fightful.com. <laughs> a guy who wouldn't know anything about Twitter jail. He's too mild mannered, even more mild mannered than than James. One showdown, Joe. Joe, how are you? I'm doing pretty good, guys. Thank you very much for your patience. I appreciate it. Well, we got lots of stuff to get into. And I mean, there are no events this weekend. There are no there were no events, well, last weekend. But one thing that we didn't really get to talk about last week that I wanted to was the PFL finals. If you wondered how $1 million was going to change somebody's life, uh, well, how about just retiring? That's what Sean O'Connell did, James. He's like, got my $1 million? I'm out. See you later. Did this surprise you? Uh, it did, just because if you look at some of the, the fighters in that tournament, um, I think you know if you looked at favorites, uh, Vinny Magalesh was there, who O'Connell ended up fighting in the final. Uh, you had Shlomino Rama, the former World Series of Fighting heavyweight champion. There was a lot of fighters there, and you just didn't know how much gas was left in the tank, so to speak, for O'Connell in his career. But this is amazing. I mean, that that is the best part of this tournament, is you have Cinderella stories like this one, and the fact that O'Connell had stepped away from MMA, it looked like he was done, and then uh, he gets this opportunity with PFL. It was just a, a great story, and there was, a, there was a few little stories like this in PFL this year, which I thought really uh, made the tournament a success. And, uh, you know, it's great to see these guys uh, get paid as well. Joe, Sean O'Connell was a guy who lost his way out of the UFC. In 2016, he lost three fights across the year, was able to pick up a fight of the night bonus on the way out. He had won a couple of fight of the, uh, fight of the night bonuses prior to that. So, I mean, he made a little bit of money in the UFC, relatively speaking, compared to other fighters. That's, that's 150K, bam, right off the top for his, I think, three-year run. I think he was there from 14 to 16. But he took a year and a half off, came back, and won this tournament. And the format, you know, there, there are some issues, but you have uh, you have a guy like Sean O'Connell who isn't going to make any headlines. I don't think the UFC is going to be after him after this tournament. And at 35 years old, he said, I'm done. Is that a surprising move to you? Did you think that he was going to try to pick up more money? Or is whatever eight to 10,000 that he picks up for a fight elsewhere, just chump change in, in comparison to that $1 million. Well, it all depends on passion, right? It all depends on how much love you have for what you're doing. And when you get paid a huge amount for the amount of work uh, that he's put in over the years, especially when this guy started in 2007, doesn't seem like a long time, but that's 11 years ago, 12 years ago. So, um, you know, back in the day when, you know, he first made his debut and then had that run in the UFC and then, you know, three straight losses in the UFC gets cut, goes to PFL, um, you know, you end up getting paid in this manner. You know, some people would look at it and say, okay, now I've got a good base. Now I'm going to be pretty much okay for a very long time. If he's got, you know, good money advisors or smart with his money, he could be set for life with this kind of money. Uh, but I, even at that point in that situation there, you make a decision with your own life to determine exactly what you want to do. Um, I, I have no issue with him retiring. I have no issue with him whatsoever making that kind of money and then getting paid and saying, you know what? 
See ya. Uh, but again, it's all about passion. If he's smart with his money, he'll never have to work again, technically speaking, because he can take that money and have that money make money for you. Uh, if he's not smart with his money, we'll probably hear from him in about a year or two. Hey, Sean, if you want to blow about 73K, I got student loans to pay off. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll figure out something. Uh, I thought that the PFL format was, it, it left some to be desired. There were some flaws, but there will be in something like that. But it got them way more attention than they would have gotten otherwise. I, I don't know that there's anything else they could have done, James, to get that attention. I don't know financially how they can do they pay out the amount of money they're paying out though. Big pockets, big investors, I guess if they don't mind burning money, that's fine. Cause uh, you know, we've seen just some, some reports uh, here and there, nothing like concrete, but you know, the, the ratings were low. The, uh, the ticket sales were low. Um, you know, I, I don't know how it would sustain as well because that the other thing is like, you know, I've always said this, a New Year's Eve show sounds like a good idea on paper for, you know, if you're a hardcore fight fan, but realistically, who's going to go to New York and, and go watch fights instead of going to Times Square and, you know, ringing in the New Year. So to me, it's, I, I, I want to see the numbers. I'm curious to see how everything sort of unfolds. I hope these guys get paid and I hope there's a season two, but this is MMA and it, it's very tough to get people interested in anything other than the UFC. So, um, you know, I'll wait and see on that. We had a, a news bit that, broke through the mainstream and personally I posted an image that Dana White had posted and I got emails all week about people seeing it on Yahoo and like Perez Hilton all that crap Pollyanna Viana beat the brakes off of some guy I'm gonna let you all take a look here this fella tried to rob Pollyanna Viana who is not an outstanding UFC fighter by any stretch of the imagination She's not going to compete for any titles anytime soon. But here's what she said, guys. She said, a guy came up to her and tried to take her phone. I saw him. He sat next to me. I saw that he wasn't going to leave. He said, give me the phone. Don't try and react because I'm armed. She realized that the item that he had was too soft. As it turns out, it was a cardboard gun. And not not a cardboard gun. A cardboard cut to shape, be shaped like a gun. <laughs> she beat the brakes off a of fella held him down in a rear naked choke until the cops got there. Whoo boy. Like I said, this, this isn't like some, this isn't Amanda Nunes we're talking about here. This is uh, Pollyanna Viana, a 26 year old uh, woman who I think last, I think she fought maybe Aspen or no, she fought JJ Aldrich uh, one and one in the UFC. You never know who you're going to run into on these streets, Joe. Look, I'm sitting there. Uh, I was at my dentist today and, you know, doing the cleaning, whatever the typical every three months, six months appointment. And the news is on. He's got it on the background. And it made mainstream news in Toronto. So yeah. all of a sudden, and he's listening. And I was like, you know, you got your mouth open. I'm like, mm, uh, uh. right. And I'm pointing <laughs> to the speaker and he's like listening. And he's like, what? What happened? And I told him the story. And he's like, well, hell yeah. Good for her. And this is the yeah. calmest dude you will ever meet in your life. So to me, it's like, hey, man, lesson learned, bud. Don't be stupid. You know, first of all, you should be robbing people. I get some people yes. are, 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 you know, they've got some hard times in their lives and blah, blah, blah. Figure it out. Get a job. Get some education. Do something. Uh, but, man, this guy, this is, this is a, honestly, it's a fantastic story. It's a lesson learned that, you know, you go and try and rob a female because you think you're going to overpower her. And she so happens to be a UFC fighter and you get messed up. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't, I don't, I'm not a huge proponent of violence in the streets. I believe violence belongs, uh, or at least some sort of combat belongs in a cage or ring. Sorry, dude. I got zero sympathy for you, man. You messed with the wrong person, wrong place, wrong time. Sorry, dude. Too bad. James, what, what did you think when you heard this? Well, first off, I got to mention, I saw your tweet about this on, a, on an account that I follow, a political account that has like almost close to a million followers that has nothing wow. to do with pro wrestling or MMA. And I saw them retweet your tweet. So that just goes to show how far this reached. But I think it's great. Um, I, I think if you're Pollyanna Viana, uh, you, you're you know trying to book as many seminars as you can. If you're a woman out there and watching this, take advantage of this. Uh, you can kick ass like her. You'll never get robbed again. Um, I thought this was a great story. And I'm surprised we don't see more of this stuff happen or, you know, fighters, you know, interjecting. And, and I'm not saying, you know, be completely violent but at least you know self-defense and things like that because there's a lot of creeps out there and i think uh there there's you know uh, it just shows that you know for the naysayers of martial arts who think it's blood and guts there's stories like this where it can actually be beneficial and you know save a life turn that negative into a positive and make that money i am with you james 100 I, I am tired of seeing these horseshit facebook ads where it's like every woman should know how to do this and they show from so, show some judo throw 
I'm like, my God, what you're going to get some of those things. And I know you guys have seen them too. They're going to get some women killed. Yeah. But if you learn some basics and this woman is more than qualified to teach that I'm with you. I think that's a great idea. She should be booking seminars and and doing whatever it is that she can to spin this uh, negative into a positive and make a little bit of money off of it and maybe help out some, some groups along the way that they could use some help and, and use some education. Guys, if you all are in the live chat now, please leave us a thumbs up. Hit that subscribe button. We're pushing forward to 1,000. We have a lot of fight news. I mean, a ton. Uh, so, John Jones is smarter than anyone gives him credit for, as dumb as he can be in some instances. Immediately following UFC 232, he is on the last UFC on Fox broadcast ever. Who's on the panel? Just so happens that Anthony Smith is on the panel. Anthony Smith wouldn't do the trash talking because he's doing his job. So John Jones does it for him. And John Jones says, don't try to use this Fox platform to get a fight with me. And I'm thinking, well, he's not, but I see what you're doing here. Uh, The trash talk started. Jones knew where it was going. He knew that that Anthony Smith had a little bit of buzz behind him. Uh, James, this fight is now on for UFC 235 pending Nevada approval. First question is, does Nevada approve John Jones? I think they will. I, I think this time around there might be, uh, you know, the, the UFC will figure it out. They have lots of time to book this fight. They'll, they'll figure out whatever they have to do, whether it's, you know, pressure or whatever. I know the UFC doesn't have an influence there, but, but you know, let's be honest here. I mean, the UFC makes them a lot of money, uh, you know, Nevada a lot of money. Um, I think they'll figure out a way to do it. Uh, it's a big card already. This, this right now is looking like a, a card that might be tough to beat for, for, you know, card of the year, even this early. I mean, if you look at this card on paper, it's amazing. You add that title fight in there. It's amazing. Um, yeah, I, I think it will end up happening. And as far as Anthony Smith, I mean, what a year he's had. You just think of the fact that he got knocked out by Tiago Santos, moves up a weight class. Now he's got a title shot. I don't ever remember someone really turning their career around so much after a knockout loss in such a short period of time. Good for him. We thought the Volkan Ozdemir ascent was fast. That took like, what, a year? This one was six months and he's got a title shot, James. I've never seen anything quite like it. And it's not like he was doing terrible at middleweight. He was, no. he ran into Tiago Santos, who was real good. Who, Oh, by the way, is now a light heavyweight again. Uh, Joe Smith on his way up, Rashad Evans, a much better win in name value than it actually is. Uh, Shogun Hua, who is still hanging around in that UFC top 10 division. And Volkan Ozdemir, which is a good win no matter what way you put it. Two performance of the night bonuses along the way. I think you've got to strike while the iron is hot with Anthony Smith. If Anthony Smith doesn't have it 45 fights in, 10 years in, when is he? Anthony Smith may never be at the spot that he's at right now. I think you might as well go there. Yeah, yeah. You strike when the iron's hot and you, you, know, you, you maximize any sort of name value that a fighter may have right now for a title shot, especially considering... You know, John Jones needs to defend that title. Uh, or does it need to defend the title? Has to defend that title, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, and I think Anthony Smith is the perfect candidate. I think he deserves it. I think he's he's proven, um, you know, what he can do. And now he's he's got he's getting more and more, you know, in that spotlight and the limelight, doing the Fox desk stuff. And you know, we'll see what what happens with ESPN. But uh, yeah, I like the fight. I mean, obviously, John Jones is a heavy favorite already heading into the scrap. Uh, but I like what Anthony Smith brings to the table. You just never know because that guy there is a warrior. You know, it's going to be hard getting past John Jones's reach and just overall matrix-like fight style. But hey, man, anything can happen. I think it'd be a fantastic story because those I like these stories because so many people you know disregard him and say he doesn't deserve it. He's not good enough and blah blah. But these are the fights that I like paying attention to in the title scraps because man, one punch changes everything. It's it's happened for you know since day one in combat sports. So uh, I'm looking forward to it for sure. So, James, the, the idea to put Anthony Smith in this fight, he is going to be a major underdog, as he should be. But Jones, coming back really quickly, do you think that Jones saw this as the make good for what happened at 232? Because this fight is planned for Vegas, and he said he's going to try to make it up to the fans and a what, pretty much a two-month turnaround, maybe a 10-, 11-week turnaround he, he's going to see here. That's not unlike John Jones. He used to do that all the time. He won the UFC title on, what, a five, six-week turnaround? But uh, what do you think the motivation was for Jones to just get back in there, or do you think he's genuine and wanting to make things up? 
I think it's a bit of both. Uh, the fact that he apologized to every fighter on the card when that the card was moved, I think, shows a bit of sincerity on his part. I mean, he said he did that. But I'm pretty sure that's actually happened. And then, obviously, uh, you know, him being out, only getting to fight basically once a year. I'm sure he wants to keep active. I'm sure he sees the Smith fight as a winnable fight. The odds makers agree. Uh, you know, it's funny. We were talking about the odds. Uh, it's, it's already open. Uh, John Jones has opened up as a minus 1,300 favorite against Anthony Smith. Um, the, the one that comes to mind recently that was uh, a big one was uh, minus 1,350 uh, Demetrius Jones. Johnson over Ray Bork. So the line pretty close to that. I know Ronda Rousey was, I think, minus 1500 against Betchkehea. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, we don't see this too often in title fights being a, such a big favorite. But I mean, you have to favor Jones in this one just with his body of work and what he's been able to do. But you're right. Strike while the iron's hot. Corey Anderson, I know, was complaining that he has more quality wins at 205, but you got to finish fights. And even though Smith had easier opponents in, in Shogun and Rashad, he still finished those fights. He finished Volcan. I mean, had he not finished Volcan and maybe went to a decision it was a closer fight, maybe you're looking at other options. But Smith really played his cards well, and that's why he has his title shot. And it's 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 a good reason or it's a good explanation of why people want to fight guys like Rashad Evans and Shogun, even though they're not what they used to be. Because if he's beating, oh, I don't know, Ed Herman and Sam Alvey, he's not getting that title shot, I don't think. Even if he beats Ozdemir along the way, I don't know that he's getting that title shot. Also, this is 235. We have 234 scheduled. Why have they not just changed the name of the first ESPN show on, in Brooklyn to 233, James? That, that seems such like such an easy change. I think what happened was I think the marketing and everything already went into this is just my theory. I, I don't have any you know proof of this, but I just if, if I had to take a guess, um, I think they already advertised 134 for Australia. So they didn't want to confuse anyone. So rather than going back and changing all the posters and the marketing, because that fights in Australia, obviously, for Whitaker and, and everything else. Um, I, I think I think it would have been uh, kind of logistically a bit of a bit of a pain in the ass to, to change all that. So I think that's why they're just it's like it never happened. As Joseph Boza says in the live chat. You know, it's it's kind of weird for Corey Anderson to complain because Gustafson called Corey Anderson out for London, but Corey wants to take time off because his wife is due. So, like March twelfth. So, were you going to make it to March fifth or whenever that was at March second? Who knows? But that UFC two thirty five show, oh boy, we just talked about it, and uh, we're going to run through what we have here. Holly Holm and Aspen Lad, what a test for Lad. You have uh, Macy Chieson, who you spoke to recently against Gina Mazzani. That's a good fight. Mickey Gall and Diego Sanchez. What a cool matchup that is. Young versus old. You have Jeremy Stevens against Zabit. What a fight. And Nick Diaz isn't even on this show anymore. And nobody's talking about Nick Diaz not being on this show anymore. I don't hear any complaints. We got Ben Askren and Robbie Lawler. Tisha Torres is on the show. Another fight that was announced, Joe. Cody Garbrandt, Pedro Munoz. Here's an interesting stat. 2019, Cody Garbrandt against Pedro Munoz. It'll be the first time since 2016 that Garbrandt has fought somebody not named TJ Dillashaw. Yeah, right. Isn't that crazy? It's a good fight too. I like it. You know, and and it's good. It's uh, it'll be interesting to see how it's how it's how it unfolds because huge, huge for Pedro Munoz. I mean, he's got nothing to worry about in his fight in terms of pressure. This is all on Cody's shoulders. Cody's got to win this fight to remain somewhat relevant. Um, you know, he, he's the former champ, but at the same time, he cannot afford to lose this because he digs a huge hole. Uh, and with the dirt that he's digging on his back, Pedro's going to be climbing on top of it. So I think all the pressure's on, on, uh, on Cody in this fight here. So, But, you know, we'll see how it happens. And Pedro Munoz is a slaughterhouse, James. Like he, he doesn't care about anything. But the issue with him has been Jimmy Rivera, Rafaela Sunsau, John Dodson. When he gets to that top level talent, he has struggled in his UFC run. What kind of a chance do you think Pedro Munoz has against Cody Garbrandt, who again doesn't have a win since 2016? I think it's a very good chance. I'm surprised he took this fight, to be honest. There's little upside for Cody Garbrandt here. Uh, Munoz, you know, pretty underrated in the in the division. Not a huge name. You mentioned those losses. They were both split, uh, the two ones, uh, Dodson and Rivera. Very close fights. He's also got win. You know, he's coming off that big win over Caraway. Caraway's really good. Let's not forget he submitted Rob Font in the first round as well when they fought uh, back in 2017. Uh, this guy's good. And, uh, you know, the, the thing is, he's not really known for, uh, you know, he's obviously no more for his uh, his ground game, but he does have knockouts as well. And, you know, the, I think the verdict's still out on Cody. I mean, is TJ Dillashaw that good that he's beat Cody twice? 
or is Cody taking a lot of wear and tear at this point? Remember, he was knocked out, I believe it was early in his amateur career as well. So, I mean, he he could be susceptible to the knockout. Um, this is going to be a great fight, though. But again, I think, you know, Munoz, I'm, you know, when we when we break down this card, depending on the betting lines, I might I will definitely put five on Munoz. I think he's definitely a live dog in this fight if we're looking at it from a betting standpoint. One more quick thing about this card. I think I'm going to go to this one, and I'm going to purposely get uh, cancellation insurance on my hotel in case they try and move it again. I don't blame you. At all. So <laughs> when uh, I look at, at Cody Garbrandt, again, hasn't fought anybody but Dillashaw since 2016. We had Joanna lose back-to-back title fights to Rose Namajunas. Yoel Romero, even though he fought in between, Robert Whitaker beat him twice in a row. James, what does this say to you about these back-to-back title shots in a sense? It, I mean, in rare instances, it's different. Like, you'll, you'll, you'll have it here and there, but... I think it's a pretty good indication that UFC should be like, okay, let's get a rebound fight before you dig yourself into a hole. Not just that, but why, like, I've never been a fan of the, and and I know people will say, oh, well, you've had a long title reign. I've never been a fan of the rematch after someone gets knocked out early or, you know, in in a fight. If if it's a close fight, like, for example, I think Jones and Gustafson should have had their rematch after the first fight happened because you struck gold with Gustafson. No one cared about him at that point. And he made a ton of fans that night going the distance with Jones. So there's an example of, like, they should have done that instead of him fighting Glover. There's an example there. But on the flip side, you know, having someone get knocked out like Garbrandt did and Joanna, like, where did the heck does Joanna go at this point? I don't know why she wants to go back down to straw weight. She has this idea that she's going to get another title shot. I just don't see it. How can you justify giving her another title shot when she's lost, you know, decisively the first time, second time clearly lost a decision in her head. She says it was a close fight. They basically ruined her stock. And same with Garbrandt. If Garbrandt lose here, loses here, especially his stock's completely gone. So they did a whole season on the ultimate fighter. That's kind of going to waste at this point for Garbrandt if he loses again. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan of it. And I think the UFC seeing that, and, you know, what's interesting in a couple of those cases, at least in Garbrandt, I mean, Garbrandt's manager got him this fight. So they got him the rematch. And I don't think his manager had his best interest with him getting the rematch right away. I literally did a live stream when WWE announced they weren't doing scripted mandatory title rematches. I was so happy. It backs you into a corner where you see the same thing over and over again. It digs somebody in a hole. And WWE gets to decide who wins and loses. And they think, you know what would be good if we made this person lose two or three times in a row? That sounds like a good way to keep them strong. UFC doesn't have the benefit of deciding who wins these matches, but they do have the benefit of booking them. Uh, UFC 235, far from done being booked, because, Joe, we get Tyron Woodley against Kamaru Usman. And, James, you're going to have a lot to say about this because you talked to somebody pretty close to the situation. Kamaru could not get the time of day for months, years, years, years. And Joe, you, I mean, you work with Kamaru. You, you've had him, you've interviewed him on this site. Hopefully you can pass that along to old James and we can (laughs) get us a little interview ski there. But uh, Dana White was enamored with this guy after his last win. Yeah. Oh, we talked about that before, right? It's just one of those things. Dana White's going to spin doctor it whichever way he can. And it's not to say he doesn't like Tyron Woodley. He doesn't like him enough, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, and and Kamaro's that, you know, he's not, I wouldn't say he's a company man because he'll speak out. He'll, he'll speak his two cents, but he knows the role he has to play and what he needs to do, uh, you know, to be, to be in the good books with Dana White uh, and just the matchmaking in general. He's been doing the social media thing correctly. For quite some time, he's calling out whomever was ahead of him and, and you know, making it in a manner where it's like, you're afraid of me. You're afraid of me. Oh, you don't want to fight me? We're going to fight. And when we do fight, it's going to be too late for you because you've had the opportunity now to beat me. By the time I fight you, I'm going to have tons of experience, guys like RDA and uh, and stuff like that. So Kamaro's been doing a fantastic job. Uh, and now he's got this title shot. I didn't think fully it was going to happen with the whole Colby Covington thing. And I'm sure we're about to get into that uh, in a moment. But uh, this is huge. This is huge because I remember when Kamaro first started, when I was working with him, uh, his whole gimmick was I'm the best grappler at 170 pounds. And even I, even I just, you know, live on a, on a Titan FC broadcast in the intro, I know we started off with that. And I said, oh, by the way, you know, there's a guy named Damian Maya in your division. And he's like, yeah, I know. I'm still the best grappler. And you're going to find out, well, what happened when they fought? Fought the perfect MMA fight. It wasn't much grappling, but he fought the perfect MMA fight. And he continues to do this kind of stuff here. People don't, you know, I'm a problem in this division. I'm this, I'm that. And he lands himself a title shot. And I know Tehran is a, is a favorite right now. 
Kamaru, uh, you know, slight underdog, but that's a good fight, man. That's going to be good because what's Tyron going to do? He can't wrestle, out-wrestle Kamaru. Kamaru's going to have that wrestling on point. It's going to boil down to these guys, I think, neutralizing each other in the stand-up and that speed and power that Tyron Woodley brings to the octagon uh, should be giving uh, Kamaru some fits. But then again, when you got Henry Hoop and those guys, uh, you know, training you, this is going to be a very, very well-executed fight. I think it's going to go five rounds, guys. I don't know. What do you think? I, I would imagine so. I mean, whatever matchup, Woodley had has has the potential of going five rounds between Covington and Usman. James, before you tell us what Colby Covington had to say about this, what do you think of the matchup? I don't like it. I mean, I, I think you <laughs> wasted a huge opportunity here to to you had all the, the months and months and months of this buildup between Colby and Tyron Woodley, and you're not taking advantage of it. Like if Woodley's not good to go or whatever, like I, I don't know what happened before with the the LA card uh, that, that got canceled. If Woodley couldn't go there, but what are you doing? I mean, huge missed opportunity here. Don't get me wrong. Usman's deserved his title shot. He has, you know, the same quality wins as Colby. He's looked good in his fights. Um, you know, that 30% comment, I don't think helped him out very much. But in general, he's won the fights he's supposed to. He's undefeated. He deserves a title shot. It's just there's no buildup here. That's the problem. Like, people hate the crossover between WWE and MMA, but you need interest in a fight. And from a stylistic standpoint, it's interesting. But from a buildup standpoint, I mean, Kamaro can talk a bit of trash, so can Tyron, but I don't imagine it'll be anything close to what we could have had in Colby and Tyron. Because like I mentioned, it's not just that Colby talks a lot. It's that he's a Republican. You know, there's all these things that go into this. And uh, and, and the fact that, you know, that Tyron has ties to ATT, it's just, it's it's wasted. And if we never get to see that fight, I think it's it's one of the big misses that the UFC's had uh, in, in their history, in my opinion. I think this was definitely Definitely the fight to make. Colby Covington, very outspoken. In fact, the headline I, I put on the video was fuck the UFC from Colby Covington. Those were his parting words in his interview with you yesterday, James. That it was very fired up. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, point blank asked him what happened with this whole situation. Uh, apparently, which I didn't know, I guess, uh, you know, I didn't find out till later that he was offered Nick Diaz at UFC 230 and Diaz turned down the fight, which I mean, imagine if that fight would have taken place. Um, so just, I, I think, I think what it comes down to, if I had to make a theory here, I think they wanted him to fight. I think Woodley wasn't ready to go in January for whatever reason, even though that fight was offered to them. And uh, they, they, uh, they offered him Kamaru Usman for the interim title. And he said no. And and I see Colby's side of it where it's, you know, he was the interim champion by beating RDA. The fight you want to do is is Woodley because there's so much heat. there that, that, that was his number one target was Tyron Woodley. Um, I don't blame him for not taking that fight, but the UFC's punishing him now. And now they're giving him Kamara Usman and add in the fact, you know, who's Usman's manager. I mean, we all know uh, he has some weight in terms of title shots. We've seen it time and time again. Um, I, I think that that's what made this all possible. But I, you know, I understand Colby's position, but he said it point blank. I mean, you know, don't feel sorry for me. Blame the UFC. They're the ones who, you know, messed this up and didn't have, uh, you know, the fight that the fans want to see. And, you know, Asmos fans, they did that poll on, um, you know, Ariel Hawani's Twitter. I think it was like 100,000 people voted that they wanted to see Woodley and and Colby as opposed to Woodley and Usman. So, I mean, that that speaks for itself. Again, uh, from a stylistic standpoint, interesting fight but with, with Woodley and Usman. But you're, you're really missing the boat if they don't end up ever doing Woodley versus Covington. So, Joe, removing uh, the friendship you have with Usman and removing all the wild shit that Covington does. How would you view this situation as an outsider, an MMA fan, where you have a guy who won the interim title, you hear him say, well, it might be the manager taking less money, but getting big fights. There, there's, there are so many moving parts to this. Ali Abdelaziz, he, uh, Covington is accusing him of, uh, well, getting this fight because the UFC owes him favors. Um, so to remove my friendship, which I, you know, I would tell, I'm going to tell Kamara to his face. And if he's probably watching this, he's going to, he knows I'm going to say it to his face. The rightful guy that should be in this title fight is Colby Covington. He's the interim champ. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we, we, we follow, you know, what should be traditional rules in combat sports, the guy that's the interim title got that interim title fight because the champion was injured. Champion comes back, you unify those two titles, or he, he's basically the number one contender. Uh, I'd like to know a whole bunch more. Uh, of what's happening behind the scenes here. Um, and it, it's, it, it doesn't make sense, uh, but knowing Dana White and knowing um, Sean Shelby and knowing how the UFC operates, even back in the uh, Joe Silva era, um, you know, the, you piss off the wrong people uh, and they'll bury you. They'll, they'll keep you on the sidelines. They'll keep you on the outside looking in nonstop. It uh, doesn't matter what your contract says because the way they've laid out those contracts, they can keep you around for a term and then offer you a fight on the very last day or the day before your term comes to an end, and you have to accept pretty much. 
know, that's the basics there. So uh, in Colby, they had a guy that um, was a, was a, a, you know, a disturber of the peace, if you know what I'm saying, disturbance of the force. And, you know, anything and everything he did was causing headlines and causing chaos. And, you know, there's his nickname, but, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that would be fantastic, in my opinion. Take nothing away from Kamaru and Tyron, who, you know, some way, somehow will be able to promote this fight. I don't think on the level that Colby can. And I think Colby versus Tyron would have been a bigger fight uh, and, you know, put Kamaru there, put Kamaru in the audience and, you know, or bring him as the, the fighter that should be, well, I guess he says he wouldn't do it again, but bring him as the backup fighter should something happen, right? But, uh, you know, Kamaru uh, should be number, you know, number three in this equation. Now he's number two and we'll see where it goes. But, you know, I, I James, I don't know. Sean, I don't know. There's something going on um, that we don't know about truly uh, that needs to come out in terms of what happened with Colby in the UFC. And Colby saying that he wasn't paid to be the for his for his appearance in Australia or, or something like that. Man, there there's so much to That's this. Bad. James has a, a long interview with Colby Covington up on this very channel right now. Check it out. We're gonna have several articles out of it. So, man, how how do I unpack this in a way? Quite frankly, Colby seems to cut through a lot of the shit with you, James to be quite frank with you. Uh, not to say there isn't some of it there, but he seems... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply to drop a little more of the character when it comes to you. And as I tell Jimmy Van all the time, the interviews that you get pay dividends in the years to come because you give a shit about these people before they are somebody. And that you can, you can carry that over to wrestling. It's a nice way to develop really good sources. Colby Covington knows that, that you cared about what he had to say before. So maybe he's more inclined to cut through the shit with you. What about Colby Covington do you think maybe put off Dana White? I mean, the thing is, Dana White got this guy literally to the White House. So yeah. it seems, it's so confusing to me. It seemed like Dana White was all too happy to have this as his guy. Well, I think it's, like I said, a combination of things. I think it said he couldn't fight in Dallas because of the surgery. And I, I don't know if that was something he let the UFC know about or whatever, but that, that fight didn't end up happening. And then I think uh, him not um, not wanting to fight Usman. Because I think I think my th- you know, my theory is that Woodley wasn't ready to go for that card, the 233 card. And so they gave him Usman and he said no. And uh, and so because and that essentially ca- canceled the card. I mean, if that fight was on the card, they probably still would have kept that card intact. So I think that was the reason that he basically said, screw it. Um, because we know... Uh, uh, we 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 know for for a fact that uh, he was offered that fight at two thirty three um, because we had Dan Lambert on. Remember, uh, Colby's manager say yes. that that they were offered the fight. We actually broke that, and um, so that leads me to believe that that Woodley for some reason couldn't go, so they had to give him Usman, and then here we are with this fight. And I, I don't think you can underestimate the power of Ali Abdelaziz. I mean, he's the one we talked about Cody Garbrandt getting a rematch, an immediate rematch. Like you don't see that often where someone gets knocked out and getting a rematch right away. That's credit to Ali. He's also Cody's manager, so I think that played a role in it as well. Him. Uh, you know, Usman getting this fight. Man, this is wild. I mean, if Colby Covington does not go on a on a Colby Covington promo tour saying that the immigrants are taking his jobs, then I don't know what he's even doing with this character because it is almost poetic justice that this happened. But you got to feel for Colby Covington in the cage for this happening. What do interim titles even mean? Who knows? He is not listed as interim champion in the rankings anymore, but that may be a product of the UFC updating their website, which is also terrible, by the way. <laughs> a miserable update, but oh well. That's just the UFC 235 news, guys. But in relation to that, Luke Rockhold moving up to light heavyweight. He says he wants Jones. I say, Joe, uh, fight somebody first. Because he was scheduled to fight Alexander Gustafson earlier last year. I said, that fight ain't happening. We had somebody in the live chat saying, well, what about that fight? Well, good luck in 2022 when it finally happens. Uh, I just say, th- get get a fight. Get two fights. Get three fights. Fight somebody. 
I, I, I don't think Luke Rockhold understands what his value is in the sport anymore. He doesn't have much value. Uh, you know, he, he may be doing those, um, you know, actually pretty cool, what are they, uh, CK commercials or some DKNY commercials, some of that, I forgot what they were, but they were, they're pretty good. But dude, your, your name value in the sport of mixed martial arts right now isn't what it was before. Can't be calling out these types of fights. And, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd like to see the fight, but, you know, obviously, you know, Sean Ross Sapp just finished off his rocket science degree because you got to fight in the division first, right? Get a fight, have a fight, kick someone's ass, finish them like you, you're damn so good at because you pull off these incredible submissions. Get on that microphone afterwards and start calling people out. Call John Jones or call Alexander Gustafson out. Just call people out, but get that win. Get that that urge for the people because people in MMA, and it goes back to when, I, I can't even remember, when Anderson Silva fought Patrick Cote or Anderson Silva fought Damian Maya. Recency bias in MMA fans and the media is absolutely huge. Go out there, get a win, finish someone, call them out. That's what they'll remember. They won't remember anything else. James, this will draw a lot of comparisons. People will say, well, Joanna got a flyweight title shot. Light heavyweight's a lot different. And Luke Rockhold isn't the greatest middleweight to ever live like Joanna was the greatest strawweight to ever live. What do you think he needs to do? Who should he fight? Why not Corey Anderson? I mean, Corey Anderson's talking about a title shot. You you fight Luke Rockhold, a striker, you know, wrestler versus striker. Let's see if that works out. Because right now, Corey Anderson's the odd man out. If you look at the matchups, you've got what? Tiago Santos and Blakovich. You've got Vulcan Ozdemir and Dominic Reyes. You have uh, Smith fighting Jones. Corey Anderson's the little man out. Fight Luke Rockhold. If you're really that good and you deserve a title shot, see if you can get past Luke Rockhold. Luke Rockhold, if you're that good, uh, you know, people say you got chin issues. Maybe that gets fixed if you move up and you're not cutting as much weight. Let's see if you fight a guy like Corey Anderson who has knockout power. Let's see what happens. I think that's a fight to make. Yeah, and I think that Luke Rockhold is a fantastic addition to this division. I love it. I think it's wonderful. I think Tiago Santos is a great division uh, addition to it. I think uh, people like Eric Anders will be a good addition to it as well. But you do have to prove yourself in some degree in a division like this, which you guys know I've been touting some of the new names that have emerged in this division. You can't just leapfrog these guys who have won three or four fights in a division like that right out of the gate. Speaking of leapfrogging, though, there's not a whole lot of competition at heavyweight. Brock Lesnar, his suspension is up this week, but he remains suspended until he pays a $250,000 fine to Nevada Joe, I think the Royal Rumble payoff will pretty much cover that. <laughs> I was going to ask you the same thing. When is he getting paid for the Royal Rumble? Is it just in perfect time to get this done? He's going to be fine, so just Joe, pay off. Joe, not to interrupt you, one of the all-time worst segments. We we used to jokingly say whenever something terrible happened, the night that wrestling died, one, two, three, four. Last night, Brock Lesnar got paid to stare into a camera backstage. His opponent calls him out in horrible fashion. Brock walks around the ring, looks at him, and leave. Brock got a check for that. Probably a six-figure check for that. He's not going to have any trouble paying this off. Why is it, James, that you think, and I've not, I've not done any asking. I mean, needless to say, Nick Diaz and Brock Lesnar aren't going to tell me. Why do they wait so long to pay this fine? That I'm saying that as I'm trying to get Sean O'Connell to pay my student loans. The, when you get to a certain level, you think you're above everything. It's like Nick Diaz saying that he deserves a title shot or anything like that, even though he hasn't had a win since, what, 2011. So I think it just goes to show that when you get to a certain level, things like this, I don't need to pay that. I'm Brock Lesnar. I, I honestly think that's the case. Man, uh, right in line with that, you have Conor McGregor and Tenshin Nasakawa, Joe, going back and forth. Uh, well, needless to say, this isn't happening. Now, I, we've said that about Mayweather and McGregor as well, but this is a little bit different. All due respect to Tenshin Nasakawa, but there, there is this... <laughs> Nasakawa responded to McGregor calling him out and says, you must weigh 127 pounds. <laughs> you must fight under kickboxing rules. And it must be held after Nasakawa competes in the Rise Kickboxing GP this year. <laughs> this was funny. This was a funny set of demands from Nasakawa. The demand of 127 pounds split my sides. I was dying over this. That's one of those things. And it's when it first came out, I was like, oh, stop. 
just stop. But then you've got all these fans on all of my social media throwing me the tweets and throwing me the Instagram posts and screen capture this and send me that pic and blah, blah. And it's like, you know what I honestly feel like? I, I, it's one of those things where it's like, um, I, I, I'm trying to give you a good analogy, but it's like, I don't care what you guys plan on doing with this. If it's going to happen, just tell me the date so I can make plans to call the fight. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't care. It's not going to happen. I mean, uh, well, I shouldn't say that. Anything is possible nowadays. I think we've learned that lesson. But the odds of this one happening uh, are you know, not, not too good. Not too good. But uh, it, it is kind of comical to go see. And it's good for attention. Dude, you were in a conversation with Conor McGregor, and you just you know fought Mayweather, although you got knocked out. I mean, this is this is good. By the way, Brendan Shaw pissed me off, guys. Just just want to say that after last week, I gave him such a big compliment and stuff like that. He goes and says that the fight was fixed, and I was like, "Damn it, man! I just complimented you. You go and do that. It wasn't fixed. I called it. I saw it myself. It was ten feet in front of me, dude." But, anyways, uh, tension and 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 um, Conor, I'll call it. Tie me up. James, what did you think of this? This was just harmless fun in my in my. It's McGregor giving him the rub. Yeah, yeah, it's it's giving him the rub. It's also McGregor keeping his name relevant as well. It's it's a number of things. I mean, obviously the UFC with his contract and everything, there, there's no way he would ever be able to take something like this with Mayweather. He's his own guy, but Connor's still under contract with the UFC. Uh, so that should be noted. But uh, no, I mean, look, I, I think fighters say stuff all the time because they, if, if they're not fighting, you have to be in the headlines. You have to, you know, get your name out there. And I think this is just another example of that uh, with Connor, you know, obviously wanting to, to fight him. Ronnie Yaya, Ricky Simone added to UFC 234. You have Cesar uh, Ferrara. Whoa, 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 Sean, Sean, I'm sorry. I don't mean to stop you. It wasn't Connor's, guys, I'm sorry. Wasn't Connor's original tweet that he wants to fight Tenshin Nasukawa in an exhibition MMA fight? Probably. Come on, that's classic. I think so. Like, that's freaking <laughs> yeah. awesome. Come on. <laughs> you have Ronnie Yaya against Ricky Simone at UFC 234. You got a couple of other fights being made uh, as well, one of which Ben Rothwell back against Blagoy Ivanov. James, I think this is a good fight for uh, Rothwell to return on, but three years later, Ben Rothwell been around forever, but not in the last three years. He's had some USADA issues, had some injury issues. What are you looking for out of a Ben Rothwell at this stage who is – 37 years old doesn't mean a whole lot at heavyweight, but Rothwell back. Good to have him back. Uh, this division is, you know, definitely gone through a lot of changes since the last time he was active. And uh, how funny is it that Blagoya Ivana fights another guy off of USADA suspension and, you know, just like <laughs> once again, you know, trying to prove that he's a legit heavyweight in the division. I mean, I picked Ivanov in that fight. I thought Dos Anjos, the layoff and everything would have impacted him. But uh, clearly Ivanov, uh, you know, has some work to do. It's a good fight for both guys. Ivanov, I think, was disappointing in his debut. Rothwell had the layoff. Does he still got it? We'll find out. Good matchmaking here, in my opinion. Joe, you've been around. You've covered Ben Rothwell. At this stage, I mean, for a while, he looked like he could be a real player. I mean, like back in 07, I mean, he was on that insane streak. I remember him beating uh, a a series of veterans. There was like Roy Nelson and Rico Rodriguez and Travis Fulton, like all these people he was beating. But what do you think he has here? He had won four of five at the point of his suspension. Well, when the, when the belt was first announced or the report first came out, the, I know it's going to sound sad, but the first thing that went through my mind is, God, I hope he wins so I can see him dance again. <laughs> um, that's what goes through my mind. But, uh, you know, it, it's, I don't think it's going to be an easy fight. But knowing Ben Rothwell uh, from, you know, my time back in the days with him, uh, he's going to put in a good training camp. He knows what's up. And, you know, he, he's not he, – he's a smart guy. He knows there's only a few more paychecks left, right, or these bigger paychecks than what he's used to. Uh, despite the gym and stuff like that. So, you know, you, you might as well maximize the amount of revenue you can generate, especially considering it's generally based on, you know, a show purse and a win purse. So if you're going to get paid twice because you win, you better win. Interesting fact about Ben Rothwell, 46 fights, zero in Las Vegas. Not once. That doesn't happen very often. Really? Uh, yeah. None in Las Vegas. Unbelievable. Uh I all fondly remember the end of the Brandon Vera fight where he just started to dance. He was like a big juiced up Guido uh, or Guida, not Guido, Clay Guida, uh, <laughs> just dancing around. Then he tested positive for elevated testosterone levels. Then uh, the USADA thing happens a few years later. Eh, I mean, he's got wins over Alistair Overeem and Josh Barnett, so that's nice. Rose Dama Yunus defends her title against Jessica Andrade at UFC 237. I like this. It's good to see Rose back. Uh, it'll be 13 months since her last fight by the time she gets in the cage 
James, but what do you like or what do you think of this matchup? I think it, on paper, it's a good one. Yeah, it was the fight to make. I think everyone knew this was going to happen. Andrade coming off that huge knockout win over uh, Carolina Kovalkiewicz, which we don't see in the strawweight division, like a first-round finish like that. Uh, so her her stock couldn't be higher. I'm intrigued. Rose got knockout. Rose has knockout power. Andrade has knockout power. Uh, Rose has a layoff. I mean, there's a potential for us to see a new champion here. I do think that, um, you know, with the layoff that Rose has had, uh, just, you know, g- good fight. And I'm just glad that Rose has a fight book because, um, you know, all these people, I, I you know, obviously I, I love a lot of MMA fans are really good and passionate, but the whole narrative that, you know, she's scared to fight and all this stuff because of the whole McGregor thing, like, that, you know, everyone has a different, uh, you know, everyone experiences something different when they go through something like with, with the McGregor thing. I, I cut her some slack. I mean, she's a woman. I, I understand that, you know, obviously uh, fighting is, is definitely more mental than it is physical. So I, I think, uh, you know, it's just good to see her back and, and for her to just compete and, and be one of the best. Because I think, you know, this whole Conor McGregor thing really had fans just acting stupid towards her. And I'm just glad to see her have a fight book. Joe, in addition to this fight, uh, we have a couple other, uh, or one other big fight announced, Junior Dos Santos versus Derek Lewis. Tell me your thoughts on the Andrade uh, Nama Yunus fight and Junior Dos Santos and Derek Lewis. Well, first of all, I'm still upset with Andrade for defeating Carolina. No one, no one's allowed to touch Carolina. She's my fave. Uh, but no, that performance was sick. James was nailed it on the head. And uh, in terms of Rose, I think every time Rose competes and gets that win, that legacy and that love that most of the fans have for her just continues to be exponentially shown and, and, and just grow. Um, you know, the whole thing with what James was referring to about these ass clowns uh, on social media that take shots at her, it's shut up. You're a bunch of losers anyways. Like you've got no life. So James, look at the kid that missed the penalty shot for Canada against Finland. Oh, that yeah. poor kid's getting lambasted online. I felt like, you know, I don't get invited. I, I could care less about what people say about me and Twitter and whatever, blah, blah. But I almost went on there. I'm like, you losers. You understand you're attacking a teenager who on national television or international television was selected by his coach to take a penalty shot in overtime and he missed and you're blasting him? You wish you were in that opportunity, you stupid losers. Uh, yeah. Sorry, let me go back. Um Derek Lewis and, and JDS, I like it. 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 I like it because, you know, it, it's lights out, man. You really think this is going to go three rounds? <laughs> right? I, I don't. Yeah. It's lights out, man. Whether, you know, Junior is one of those guys now, if you notice, he's taking his time in the first round. It's almost like he's pulling the old Elias Theodoro. Like, I'm going to figure out my distance. I'm going to figure out his timing. But, you know, and, and, and sometimes with Derek Lewis, you guys notice that he's slow as well, but he has those momentary, um, you know, explosions, if you know what I'm saying. This one could end real quick or it could drag on to the second or third round, but I don't think it goes the distance. Man. I can't see it going 15. I think that Derek Lewis is a tailor-made opponent for Junior Dos Santos to light up like a Christmas tree, to be honest with you. But one shot from Derek Lewis, you know what it does. James, uh, how do you feel about this fight? Another good, another good uh, matchmaking job done by the UFC's matchmakers. Uh, again, you've got JDS, who's got a bit of a resurgence here, coming off that big win over Urbanov, like I mentioned, and then Lewis just fought for the title, a title fight that he probably wasn't supposed to get, but he pulls off that miracle win over Volkov. It's it's a good fight. I mean, right now you have guys with wins and lo- I mean, it's so utterly chaotic in the heavyweight division right now. Um, you know, as as sort of the the division is on hold with this Brock Lesnar, if he's going to fight or not. But you have guys that just like there's no clear cut contenders right now. It's so weird. Like you had Curtis Blades and Volkov as your two number one guys. They both lost. You have Lewis losing. You've got JDS back. You got Rothwell back. It's a fun time right now. I kind of like the you know the parody of it. But uh, yeah, I mean th- that fight is going to show us a lot. Like can Lewis pull this one off again? It's possible. JDS, uh, you know, former champion, lots of experience, uh, you know, hasn't fought as much, but very, very competitive fight. I'm looking forward to that one. JDS looking for his first three-fight win streak since 2011-2012. That would be uh, an amazing thing to look at. Uh, Guys, we're going to get to questions here in a moment, but something that I'm I'm still trying to, to follow up on, and there have been rumblings of this, at least the fighter in question and their management say it's happening. There are rumblings that Bellator has signed a woman for her pro debut on February 15th who was 0-12 as an amateur, James. Anastasia Bruce. This this is on an Indian reservation because a commission's probably not clearing it. A real commission's probably not clearing it. What? 
Yeah, I, you know what? I think this was one of those cases where Bellator thought they could sweep this one under the rug. But of course, you know, the due diligence of a lot of journalists out there. I think Eric Cole was someone who I saw had, had reported this. Um, yeah, you can't have stuff like this because the problem is with Bellator, unlike the UFC, the UFC has a stable of, ro- uh, you know, fighters on their roster and they'll just fill them accordingly. With Bellator, they have their regular roster members and then the undercard is usually just local fighters. Like that's why if like they go to St. Louis, you'll see them get a lot of Shamrock FC fighters. If they go to, uh, you know, other markets, they're going to grab fighters from local promotions. And that's what they tried to do here. But it just is not a good look because here's the thing. Like you could be a local fighter and just happen to be in the right market and you get signed to Bellator. It's not the same thing as, you know, uh, someone like Leona Machida signing with Bellator. It's not the same thing, but I think they tried to pull a fast one and, and they can't do this. There, there's no way they could sanction this under the Bellator banner. It looks terrible. Uh, leave this for whatever that promotion was. I think it was in Florida or California where they, they padded. Oh, no, Alaska FC. That's where this fight should belong. Alaska <laughs> yes. FC with the padded records. Go go for it. Have, have, a, have a ball. Joe, this is downright offensive to me. The, uh, the company trying to portray themselves as number two. So the very purpose back in the day why uh, me, uh, Terry Riggs, Carlos Newton, uh, and the various parties tried to get amateur mixed martial arts sanctioned and regulated in Ontario was for this very reason. Because we were tired of seeing adults making their professional mixed martial arts debut and having no business being inside of a ring or cage. Therefore, uh, obviously with so many kids at the time and teenagers, you know, growing up in MMA back in the day and, and wanting to eventually compete one day, uh, and even adults that have no business being in there, we thought, you know what, we need to figure out a way to, to, to kind of clean this up and, and get them ready. Well, you know, stop taking a coach's word for it. Stop taking a trainer's word for it. Let's see these athletes prove it. An amateur MMA for us was simply beginner, intermediate, advanced. Five fights at, be- at beginner, five fights at intermediate, five fights uh, at advanced. You'll have 15 fights before you get to even dare to turn pro in Ontario. All right? Now we can see how good you are at the beginner level, if you've improved on your errors at the intermediate level, and where you're at at the advanced level. Okay? Now we know the type of fighter you are. Can you now go pro uh, at 0-0, well, you've had 15 amateur fights. If any fighter was 0-12, there's no way that person would be competing in mixed martial arts. That's a liability. That's a yeah. massive risk factor. There is a fighter no how good they are. They're 0-12. But, again, James knows Ontario's a bunch of ass clowns as well, so whatever. Wish I could remember the name of the guy, but he got suspended for lack of skill here in Kentucky for, like, I think it was a six-month period. They're like, you got, you got to stop fighting. And uh, I don't know if he ever fought again, but... Let's go ahead and get to these questions. Any word from Darian Caldwell in the Horiguchi rematch in Bellator? He wants it, but Joe, Joe, have you heard anything about this from the Ryzen side? No, nothing at all. We're just waiting to find out for sure. Uh, I, I do know that they want it to happen because it just makes that stock with uh, Horiguchi. Remember, you know, Darian coming over to, to Ryzen to compete in the ring was a bit of a challenge for him, as Sean you know, cleans his, or brushes his hair. Uh, it, it was a challenge for him. <laughs> Horiguchi's got tons of experience in the cage. This could get real interesting, but I think the contract terms, I don't know if it's fully signed. It's dangerous if he becomes the champion at Bellator, Horiguchi. Very dangerous because now you're going to, you know, what are you going to do with your star if you're rising, right? Because they need two bankable stars. They need more bankable stars, and they've got two in Kyoji and Tension. So got to be careful. Is Colby becoming an anti-hero type babyface with him getting screwed out of a title shot? I think within a certain demographic he is. James, you, you talk to the man. What do you think? Yeah, to a certain degree, I think he is. But because uh, people wanted to see this fight, even the people who hate Colby, I think they are disappointed because they wanted to see him lose to Woodley. And now we have to wait even longer for him to fight wherever, you know, whatever is going to happen next with him. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think that's sort of because, I mean, that, that's what's so disappointing about this fight is that it's even the people that don't like Colby, they know that he deserves it with him winning the interim title and just everything that he's built up to this fight. You need investment in a fight. And unfortunately, the Usman and Woodley, there's just not a lot of investment uh, from a storyline perspective. So I can see people being that way but yeah i think colby wants some people over joseph boza asked with rose and jessica made who would you have as a backup fighter nina answer off or, Tata- or tatiana suarez in my opinion i would go with nina answer off that way you could kind of slide her in and if something happens and she wins then you've got the nunez answer off power couple because i think if you put those two up against each other tatiana suarez is probably going to wreck her and that's no disrespect to nina answer off but you can maximize the potential you have with the marketing tools that you have, Joe, who would you put in there as a backup? 
from a business perspective, Nina Ansaroff. From a strictly mixed martial arts perspective, who deserves it more? I think Tatiana does. I think Tatiana brings a whole lot of craziness to either Rose or Jessica. Uh, and I do concur with you on paper. If, you, if, if Tatiana was to fight Nina, I, I don't know how Nina would do. But um, the narrative that you have already pre-written with Nina potentially becoming the champion, uh, as well as her girlfriend, the, cha- the champ champ, that would be magical for the UFC. That imagine that world tour, that media tour. That'd be fantastic for for women's MMA. It'd be fantastic for the lesbian gay uh, community. I think that'd be awesome. To be honest with you, Amanda Nunes is just so likable. Like the video of her driving to the gym, and she says, "Oh, I got the twins in the back seat," and she's got her two belts in there, not strapped in, mind you, no car seats at all. <laughs> James, you are a father now. That's a no no, right? Big time. You got to have the kid. Yeah, you got to have it strapped in. That's promoting. Really bad, <laughs> irresponsible, reckless behavior. I, I can't have it. Uh, someone asked, Ali, is he that good of a manager or is Dana really desperate to get the UFC welterweight championship off Tyron? Uh, James, what do you think? I think he's a good manager. I mean, the fighters like him. They respect him. He does get the job done for them in most cases. Um, I, I think that it's... I think it's a combination of both. And I think, you know, I, I, you know, I think it's just, if you look at his client list, I think Ali has helped a lot of the Russian fighters get into the UFC. He's been sort of like a buffer for them in that regard. Cause if you know Ali's business partner, Rizvan, he's also from Russia. So he's been able to, you know, sort of filter some of these fighters over. So I think there's sort of, and Ali lives in Vegas. He's at the PI all the time. I think there's, you know, there's, there's definitely a relationship there uh, that goes beyond just him being a manager. Joseph Boza says Amanda and Nina could have their own reality show, and I think it would be a success. I think it would be too. Look at the WWE; they have Total Divas, which has spawned off into Total Bellas, which has uh, also Miz and Misses on the USA Network. Women who have these types of jobs that are very empowering to other women do very well. I had women that I taught kickboxing to; they had no idea who the Undertaker was, but they knew who Eva Marie was. They knew who Jimmy Uso was who you two do not know who they are. <laughs> that, that, that is correct. But, but they are on that show and, and they can do that. Do you think that could possibly, or something like that, James, could be in the cards for an ESPN down the line? I don't know. It's tough to say. I mean, you just look at, uh, what was that tweet that, uh, was it Ramona Shelbourne had that uh, Amanda Nunes with the Ronda Rousey knockout. Do you remember seeing well, that? Well, she, she's also in Rousey's pocket. I know. She's, she's, I know. She's, yeah, she's, she's obviously a shill for her. But she, yeah, I, she's Rousey's pet journalist for sure. So let's, let's not hope that's sort of how they view women's MMA, but, um, but no, in general, will they do something like that? It would be great if they did, but I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of, um, and I don't want to go off on a, on a rant here, but I will mention this, you know, there's been a lot of talk about how the UFC's promoted Amanda Nunes and they haven't done a good job, but I mean, they put her on Ellen and you know, that's as big as it gets. It's that if you look at the lineup of Ellen every week, I mean, they get, you know, the biggest celebrities, the fact that Nunes even got a shot on there, I think was great. And it didn't translate. And I know this was a great win, but I'll be honest, I haven't been hearing a lot about it since then other than us talking about it. I, I don't know if she translates well. I don't know if that's because she doesn't, you know, she she speaks English, but it's not, you know, the, the greatest, uh, you know, English speaking, like in terms of her, like, you know, uh, likability in that regard. And I think when it comes to women's MMA, one of the things that Rousey had was that she was attractive. And I think there is some of that, de- you know, that plays into it. So I don't know if we'll see it translate. Um, you know, I would love to answer your question. I would love to see that. And I think if they did do something like that, it could win fans over the same way that Joanna is sort of, uh, Joanna has sort of won fans over with her, you know, sort of the way she's talked and has sort of broken English. I I think that could work, but I don't know, man. I think MMA fans, they either like you or you don't. And that just hasn't translated yet with Nunes. Joe, you said, Ooh, when I said that Rousey had a pet journalist, I mean, come on. Yeah. Ramona Shelburne was at the top of the ramp ready when Ronda Rousey was, was uh, debuting in the WWE. Who was the first person to talk to Ronda Rousey after her defeats? Ramona Shelburne. There's nothing wrong with that. No. Good gig if you can get it. Yeah, no, I get it. And just just to echo what you asked James or what James's response was, um, b- before I, I, I make a, a statement on it, is is Dan Lambert her manager, guys? I don't know. Uh, I'm actually, yeah, I'll, I'll find out tomorrow. I'm talking to him, so we'll uh, okay. we'll, we'll see if that's the case. But I, I'm not sure it. Um, yeah, it's it, either either him or uh, Alex Davis, who's also with a lot of yeah. the ATT. Yeah, I figured it's either Alex as well because of the Brazilian connection there. Who, who I'm glad is safe, by the way, after what happened in Brazil. Um, it, when it comes to Amanda and you know being on Ellen and stuff like that, at some point, I don't know, you know, it's not it's kind of up to the UFC, but not up to the UFC. But some of these girls and fighters in general. But if we want to just focus on Amanda for now, they need PR training. They need to understand certain things. I remember the problems that I had back in the day at Sportsnet 
with Jose Aldo Jr. Uh, and Hayden Burrell, uh when they were the champs. It, it was they could give or they couldn't care for damn about anything American or Canadian or any media. They were having a hard time in Brazil. The Brazilian, the UFC Brazil office didn't even couldn't even get them to do regular interviews. And I bet you they're sorry now because I told them both. I said, guys, you're going to regret this one day. Your career doesn't last forever. It's a short period of time. And when you look at your life, so when you look at Amanda Nunes right now, I think, I don't know how much money she's made in total with her career, but she can make a hell of a lot more if there was just some way, somehow, they could sort of pinpoint the right marketing angle from her, the right PR campaign, and get her out there. Because in my opinion, she deserves it. When she wants the attention, or even when she doesn't want the attention, guys, at Titan FC events, she runs the venue. I'm telling you, she runs the – forget the fighters on the card. Forget about who's there, me, Kamaru, Lex McMahon, or whatever, whoever's in the main event. doesn't. When Amanda Nunes comes and supports her teammates, she runs that whole venue. Fans go crazy. So I know it's there. It just has to translate uh, in different forms of the media. Well, one benefit she has from PR is that she doesn't have whoever is running her social media doing the things that Cyborg was doing. <laughs> James, what do you got going on this week? Uh, not a, whole, a lot of interviews. Um, you know, just uh, just talked to uh, Colby yesterday. Uh, like I mentioned, uh, it's scheduled to interview Dan Lambert tomorrow. Got some interesting stuff coming up. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson as well. Uh, looks like that uh, that was supposed to happen today. Had to reschedule to uh, Thursday. So uh, just keeping busy, getting back into the swing of things. Finally, uh, just glad to be back and uh, back in full force. Joe, how about you? Work, work, work until I just realized my wife sent me uh, on the top left of my screen here a honey do list. I got to go to Walmart. And buy a bunch of stuff before I pick up my son and before we co- I got coaching tonight. So, yeah, husband and, uh, and dad duties tonight, boys. Guys, do us a solid. Go over to FightfulMMA.com. Share our stories. Comment on any stories. We've got a nice community over there now. Leave a thumbs up on this video and subscribe. Until next time, we are out. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments. Get started at Chime.com slash build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Results may vary. See Chime.com for details. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details.